Pastor Xavier Reese with an illustration for the simple truth of Psalm 95. Do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. If you've ever gone out and worked in the garden and you're not used to it, and after a half hour you start getting some blisters, and you go, ow, it hurts. But if you have to continue to work in that garden for three or four weeks, let me tell you, by the third or fourth week you've got some calluses, and that's the way it is with sin. At first you go, oh, I shouldn't have done that. Then the priest says, hey, let's do it again, man. The hardness of heart. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Psalm 95 casts this warning. Do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion and as in the day of the trial in the wilderness when your forefathers tested me. And just as the wandering Israelites of the Exodus learned, a hardened heart toward God is hardly a direct route entering into God's rest. And so it was for the Moabites in Jeremiah's day as well. By putting their trust in their works and treasures, they found themselves put right in the path of the judgment of God. Here's Pastor Xavier with today's Simple Truth study drawn from Jeremiah chapter 48. Let's listen. The message uh, is entitled, God's Judgments Are Perfect. Around 599-98, Moab pursued Judah to join Judah as well as Ammon, Edom, and Tyre and Sidon to organize some opposition against Babylon, which Jeremiah opposed in Jeremiah 27.3. Because God says these nations were supposed to submit themselves to Nebuchadnezzar. The judgment against Moab is marked by three common characteristics that can be found both in nations as well as people that are given to us here in verse 1 through 30. First, the judgment of Moab was deserved. Verse 1 through 10. Whenever anyone hears you say something like that, they're shocked. Their first response is, how dare you judge? How, how can you know? How can you be so arrogant and say that? But we as Christians have great precedence for what we say because it is recorded in Scripture. All these things are recorded that we might learn from them and that we might take warning as we'll see. Notice in verse 1, the coming judgment was proclaimed by way of warning. God always warns. If you look from Genesis on, God always gave warning and he's never brought judgment without warning. Notice secondly in verse 2 through 3, the end of the nation is declared in judgment. In verse 2 it says, Moab shall have no more praise. She shall not be in the position of recognition. Pride. We're going to get into this a little bit more as we move along. Pride will kill you. Pride says, look at me. Pride says, I'm so good. Pride says, I don't make mistakes. And then when you come to verse 4 and 5, he gives us the fearful scenario. During the judgment is described here. In verse 4, the horrible cry of the defenseless children of war. Babylonians were ruthless. Moab being surrounded from the north and south went into panic and hysteria, forcing her to her desert to be like a juniper in the wilderness, vulnerable. No more protection. Moab had trusted, notice, her own works and treasures. So she would be taken. Here's her, one of her sins. Her works and her treasures. They became her gods. But also Moab worshipped, in verse 7 there, false gods. The chief god of Moab, Chemosh, which means subduer. He would go into captivity along with his priests and his princes altogether. Her gods were worthless. Verse 9, Moab's attempt to flee would be futile. 
Her cities would be left without inhabitants. And notice that God pronounces a curse on the one who was called by Yahweh to be the instrument of judgment. That one to execute judgment on Moab was Babylon. And the curse on he who does the work of the Lord deceitfully holding back his sword regarding blood. In other words, this is God's judgment. The instrument is Babylon. And the Babylonians who would hold back their sword, God would get them. Now that may sound unfair, unloving. But remember, there's been warning after warning after warning. So the judgment of Moab was deserved. God cannot be accused. But notice, secondly, in verse 11 through 17, the judgment was self-inflicted. Moab had become complacent as a nation, at ease from her youth. Her natural geographical protection had caused her to, to settle and to be complacent. Uh, her high plains and the Arabian desert to the east. So um, she had some natural protection. She had become smug and spoiled, focusing on herself and her pleasure. And not really being disciplined by the other nations. Discipline is good. You don't discipline your child. He'll grow up to be a rotten adult. And before that, he'll be a rotten kid. Discipline. Moab had settled on her dregs. Notice that in verse 11. The dregs were the sediments when they make wine. So the metaphor of winemaking, because it was a wine country. It was beautiful, vines and everything. And it settles to the bottom of the barrel or, or the vessel, whatever you put it in. But then it's poured into another vessel and sifted to refine. She has not refined or bettered herself. But she was satisfied with her complacent degeneracy as a condition. What's wrong with it? I'm okay. You're okay. That's the attitude of the world today. There's a complacency. Moab had not been emptied from vessel to vessel, he says. So Moab... Had not gone to captivity. In other words, she had been invaded many times, as history shows us, but never gone into captivity. She paid tribute, but never captivity. She was overdue for judgment. Her corruption and evil has shaped her nature. She was full of herself and her ways. She was like inferior wine with a bitter taste. Not a very good condition for a nation. Look at secondly, verse 12 and 13. The nation of Moab had treasured up wrath against the day of judgment then. In verse 12, Yahweh had a certain day. Therefore, behold, the days are coming, says the Lord. God has a day. We've seen this before in other judgments. He has a day. There is a day. Yahweh had a particular agent, the Babylonian army, to execute his wrath. Then I shall send him wine workers who will tip him over and empty his vessels and break the bottles. You don't want to be poured from vessel to vessel? Then I'm going to send some to destroy the vessel and the wine will be scattered. Judgment. The imagery cannot be missed. Her lifestyle of abundance and ease would be put to an end under the Babylonian army. The executioner is really Yahweh. His verdict is through Nebuchadnezzar. Notice in verse 13, Yahweh had a holy jealousy. He's not some cantankerous God out of control up there. His jealousy is holy. Moab shall be ashamed of Chemosh, their lifeless and powerless God, who they had confidence to deliver them. God is the only God 
He says that in Isaiah, remember, I'm God, there's nobody else. I've walked up and down the universe and never run into any of the God. But if you've run into him, tell me a thing before they happen. So when they happen, I can call him God. No one's taking him up on it. God is jealous. He will not share his glory with anybody. Chemish is a false God. Powerless. And then he makes a parallel. Just like the house of Israel was a shame of Bethel. Their confidence being in that calf worship. Remember the northern kingdom? Jeroboam set it up and Dan and in Bethel. But they went in captivity by Assyria. Just like they did. They had history to teach them. They didn't learn from history. Now it's going to happen to you. Notice thirdly, verse 14 through 17. The nation of Moab was blind to her condition. The question is in sarcasm. How can you say, we are mighty and strong men for the war? (laughs) Her intoxication with herself had blinded her to her vulnerability. Pride. Destroy you. Destroy me. Her blindness allowed her only to see the human enemy rather than God himself. That's total blindness. Notice the distress in verse 16. And disaster of Moab was to come quickly and abundantly. Quickly and abundantly. Time was over. It would be sure. And so in verse 17, the surrounding nations are commanded, Bemoan him, all you who are around him. And the word bemoan means to shake or to wonder, to walk up and down, to and fro, revealing the incredible horror, but also the unbelief of overwhelmingness of what has taken place. They would do so with a taunt, because look what he says, and all you who know his name, her past reputation of pride, she had a reputation, say, how the strong staff is broken and the beautiful rod. There's no proper vindication here. This is deserved. This is self-inflicted. Moab met her match, the king of all the nations, Yahweh, all due to her pride and her boasting. Oh, nations have to be careful how they boast. Is there confidence in their military might or in God? In their wisdom or God? You remember the story recorded for us in Luke 16, verse 22 through 25. It says, so it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. And the rich man also died and was buried. And being in torments in Hades, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. Then he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. For I am tormented in these flames. But Abraham said, Son, remember that you in your lifetime, you receive your good things. And likewise, Lazarus, evil things. But now he is comforted and you are tormented. Son, remember that in your lifetime, you receive your good things. He had every opportunity and he had sufficient time in life to respond What he was suffering now was self-inflicted. How often that takes place here before you die. That a lot of the problems that are brought in our life are self-inflicted by our choices. Be it a nation or individual. Refusing to change and flow with the norm of society. Or even with families to turn from their lifestyle. And then people so often turn it around as if they're victims. As if people are after them all the time. They're picking on me. 
And yet much of it is self-inflicted. Listen to Paul in Romans 2, 4 through 6. Or do you despise the riches of the goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering? Not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? But in accordance with your hardness and your impenitent heart, you are treasuring up for yourself wrath against their wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to each one according to his deeds. Self-inflicted. The longer a nation or person remains in his or her sinful condition and selfish ways, the more blind they become to the truth about their condition. Listen to Paul in Ephesians 4, 17 and 19. This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk in the rest, as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, the vanity, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their hearts, who being past feelings have given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanness with greediness. Now we all know, understand what he's talking about. We all can identify for the most part. The hardness of heart, rejecting the message. You know, if you've ever gone out and worked in the garden and you're not used to it, and after a half hour, you start getting some blisters. And you go, ow, ow, ooh, it hurts. But if you have to continue to work in that garden for three or four weeks, let me tell you, by the third or fourth week, you've got some calluses, and you don't even feel the shovel you're grabbing. And that's the way it is with sin. At first you go, oh, why did I do that? Oh, I shouldn't have done that. Oh, that's bad. But then priest saying, hey, let's do it again, man. What's the problem? Listen to the words of Jesus. Therefore I say to you, the kingdom of God will be taken from you, speaking to the Jews, and given to a nation bearing the fruit of it, the Gentiles. And whoever falls on this stone will be broken, but on whomever it falls... It will grind him to powder. What is your choice? If it falls on you, you'll be crushed, judged. But if you fall upon the rock, you'll be broken. You'll be humbled. You'll be made new. You see, it's self-inflicted. God is not some tyrant. The judgment of Moab was self-inflicted. As it has been through many other nations. Germany. Babylon. Medo-Persia, Rome, nation after nation. But notice, third, is that the judgment of Moab was irreparable in verse 18 through 30. Notice first, verse 18 through 20, the pride of Moab was humble through judgment. The fortified city of Dibon, two miles north of the Arnon River that provided clean, fresh water, it's on the east side of the Dead Sea there, would be overwhelmed and humble from her glory to find herself thirsty by her plunder. This river was flowing and pure and meeting all her needs. Now she would be brought low away from it. Couldn't glory anymore. The river flowed into the Dead Sea to be collected. Going nowhere. It's called the Dead Sea because nothing lives in it. The inhabitants, notice in verse 19 of Aror, in the south would stand watching the Dibionites in their flight towards them and say, What has happened? And the bad news was proclaimed at Arnon. 
The answer was the condition of Moab. Moab is shame for he is broken down. It's over for Moab. The news was so overwhelming. People just saw people running around. What's going on? The frantic chaos. The people were to wail and cry. They were to announce her defeat by the command of Yahweh. Tell it in Arnon that Moab is plundered. Why? That others might learn to not oppose Yahweh. To know that Yahweh is the one in control of the nations. He is king of the nations. But notice secondly in verses 21 through 25, the humiliating judgment was executed to 11 other cities in the plain. Now, I'm not going to read them. They're hard to pronounce. They're harder than Xavier. But um, the horn of Moab is cut off. A horn speaks of strength symbolically. His arm is broken, symbol of might and ability. The authority and retribution is divine, says the Lord. Who can oppose God? Who is stronger than God? Notice thirdly, verse 26 to 30. The pride of Moab was against Yahweh and Israel. The ultimate judgment. This is the bottom line. In verse 26 through 28, Moab's intoxication with herself would be her undoing. Yahweh would humble for her pride. Listen, against the Lord. Because this is where it is. Sin is first against God. Like a drunk man who wallowed in his vomit and derision, contempt and degradation, so would Moab under the cup of God's wrath. This had been pronounced already in chapter 25, verse 15 through 17. Here it is for her specifically. The other reason for her judgment was that Moab held Israel in contempt and made fun of her. Verse 27. Yahweh accuses Moab, for was not Israel a derision to you or a laughingstock? Literally, they skip for joy. Yahweh asked, was he found among thieves? I mean, what was your problem with him? Why, why do you hate him so? Yahweh reminds her of her disrespect. For whenever you speak of him, you shake your head in scorn. Her judgment was to flee from her comfort and ease of her cities to the discomfort of a cave. You see, we, we take for granted... Especially as Americans, we, you know, we can get up in the midnight and, and go to our restroom just two, ten, 10 feet from our bedroom. We can walk down and, and go to the refrigerator and open it up and grab some milk. We can, you know, just flick the light on and all these comforts, all these benefits we have. But, but what would happen if God's judgment fell on America? What, what, what would it do to, to your faith in Christ? What, would you take the warning? Are you taking the warnings now so that when things happen, if they happen, that you will stand? Hmm. The reputation of Moab is stated in verse 29 through 30. The reputation of Moab was well known. Look at verse 29. Steep them pride. We have heard the pride of Moab. He is exceedingly proud. Steeped in arrogance of his loftiness and arrogance and pride and of the haughtiness of his heart. Six terms are used to describe the pride of Moab. You just go on and on and on. Verse 30, Yahweh knew the depths of Moab's heart. The proud heart. I know his rest, says the Lord. Her rage and outburst to inflict on others. If you're a proud person, there's only room for one person in your life. 
you, no one else. Because you're a king. And you will take that power and you'll take that position and you will use it to inflict on others whatever you please. The true test of you being a servant of Naya is what do you do with the power that God has given you? Do you use it for others or do you use it for yourself? Is it all about me or others? I know his deceptive heart, but it is not right. His lies have made nothing right. All that she did was deceptive and self-serving due to her pride and life of complacency. Uh, something we have to guard against as Christians. Some people lose the best in their life through their lifestyle of sin and self. But God is still able to restore them as a child of God. Giving you a new beginning. You may lose everything. Maybe you've blown it with your wife and husband. They've divorced you. Maybe they remarried and here you are all alone. But God can restore you to himself. What you have lost may never be regained. But he can make you new. He can restore you with him. Second Corinthians 5.17 If a man's in Christ, he's a new creature. All things pass away. Everything becomes new. And then you will understand that what you have lost has really been deserved and self-inflicted to an extent. You won't blame God. You won't blame others. You will own up to your life. But now God says, I'll make myself responsible for your present to your future. Have you obeyed me? The person or nation who proudly stands against God or the people of God, his church, is really adding to their own hurt. You remember Nebuchadnezzar in chapter 4 of Daniel? He's walking along and God has already revealed to him in chapter 2 that he's the head of gold and the time of the Gentiles had begun. But he's walking around Babylon saying, Oh, Babylon, this Babylon I have built. And the watchers, the angels hearing that says, This is it. Your number's up. You're going to become like a beast for a few seasons and give you time to think about it. And as you know, he grew fingernails and hair and he was eating out there grass like the ox and, and under the dew of heaven and then he regained his sanity and he says you know there's a God in heaven who does as he wills and no one can say to him what are you doing Nebuchadnezzar turned to God those who followed his reign did not turn to God I expect to see Neb in heaven but it cost him didn't it Judgment can be averted by a nation as well as a person. Nineveh is an example to us. But it's only turning to Jesus Christ. No other way. But once a person or a nation goes beyond that, then it is irreparable. It's too late. The judgment of Moab was irreparable. It was deserved. It was self-inflicted. It was irreparable. God could not be faulted or charged. His judgments are perfect. May God give us good common sense fear as a people and we pray for our nation. Because we've got a heck of a lot of accountability to God as a nation. And how much more as a people. 
Pastor Xavier Reese, using the example of the people of Moab to illustrate the accountability that all of God's people have in obediently responding to His will. And just before we close, let me mention that copies of today's Simple Truth study titled God's Judgments Are Perfect are available on CD for only $4. And we'll be including everything Pastor Xavier shared the last time we were together as well. So once again, you'll be asking for the title, God's Judgments Are Perfect, or just mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then be back for more Simple Truths right here next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 